This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I may be, and I have once again decided not to take Zequel before the recording of the show. We'll see if that was the right decision. I am joined uh, by my good friend, Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis. Nate, have you taken uh, NyQuil? Uh, I have not taken NyQuil. I did take NyQuil last night. Uh, so I had a pretty lethargic morning, um, which which results in me having to take Dayquil a couple times during the day. Um, I did. I found out who my true friends were because I did have one person text me uh, and say, I'm concerned that you said you take NyQuil all the time. Uh, but I only take NyQuil most of the time, so it's fine. I take ZQuil literally every night to go to sleep. Yeah, it doesn't sound great. Uh, sounds a bit like a dependency. I don't know if you know this, but you are straight edge. <laughs> I do. I do drink the alcohol-free sequel. <laughs> and that's, that's a shoot, it. brother. <laughs> as long as you know you don't have any sort of uh, you know outside dependencies on chemical con- concoctions, um, then. Uh, but that, yeah, I think you're. I think you're still. <laughs> Un- unbroken does do you say that is that a thing you say you have not broken edge i have not broken the edge uh if you're not now you never were all that mm-hmm. okay also joined by uh resident uh aging indie rocker it's uh mike spears what's up mike this morning aaron said that i looked like the hold ready instead of the hold steady no now, the get ready because you're get- a prepper that was the joke of which uh i've I'm not a prepper. If you if you subscribe to the Patreon, you can hear my justification. I just don't like being inconvenienced. Like that's the short of it. Uh, hey y'all, it's your old pal. Uh, I I I was looking like a, a like a prepper earlier. Now I'm just like looking like how I imagine. I'm blanking on his name, and that's really losing me cred right now. From Shellac and Big Black, Chicago punk rocker. Not neither of you. No. You Schlack said you said Schlack, man. Yeah, you said Schlack from GCW and Big no. Black, I guess, from Robin Big. No, yeah. Schlack Weird. and Big Black, the big Chicago rock acts of the '80s. Along with, I, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm done with this parallel here. I, I, I'm the, the name's not going to come to my it head. It was a valiant, valiant attempt. I've uh, definitely never heard of. I mean, I, I would be stunned. I, I'm actually would be stunned, Nate, if you listened to shellac so but yeah i'm doing all right uh this was a fun episode and i'm looking forward to get into it unlike aaron i'm just having a cup of yogi throat comfort tea so unlike him i'm not doping myself up for the show the true throat goat mike spears no we are not doing that we are not doing that we are not doing that at all (laughs) yeah i got i gotta throw my support behind mike here that is a tough one to live with so probably best to cut that off of the pass fine i was just uh okay every time i this is really for nate every time i log into youtube now i have like 30 
um notifications from yes. blackpink <laughs> uh-huh. yeah i uh so i was getting the notifications on my phone which was pretty annoying but uh you know i don't think anybody actually takes the time to like manage their notifications even though that comes up it's like do you want to keep receiving notifications from youtube no i don't but i'm not going to hit the button to manage them <laughs> so yeah right. gotten, you know 600 notifications about oh here's all the rebroadcasts you missed great uh, by the way steve albini was the reference i was making Steve, uh, now i've heard of steve albini yeah uh, probably as a producer right yeah the producer and engineer at electrical audio he's produced a lot of the seminal rock hits of the 90s and 2000s most notably nirvana's in utero sure so. okay yeah i didn't know schlack and big black uh <laughs> i'm pulling up a picture of them so i can put it next to your image here on the call sure <laughs> that was I'm the most sure. <laughs> that was the most i uh, i could tell mike's having a rough day so i'm just going to appease him right now <laughs> Very maybe good Bob Mould. Maybe I, I feel a little bit oh, like Bob Mould. Oh, Bob Mould might work. I, I bought I, a I bought a Bob Mould album from Eugene Merman. Really? <laughs> yeah. Let's get into I'm this. A... So let's not talk about okay, the Froco yeah. ever again. But let's get to Eugene <laughs> Merman selling Nate a Bob Mould album. Yeah. Um. I was in. I was further south in Brooklyn than I would typically be. Uh, I don't don't even know that I can pull the name of the neighborhood to mind. Uh, but was, you know, walking through a nice Brooklyn neighborhood and uh, Eugene Merman was out like on his stoop doing like a stoop sale. Uh, and I didn't, I did acknowledge the fact that I knew it was Eugene Merman, but I'm like, oh, that's it's Eugene Merman. I'm going to look at what he has. Uh, so I bought a, bought a Bob Mould album from him. Um, and then I took it home, probably never listened to it, but uh, I do have it in a box somewhere. Uh, I did also look at his Twitter timeline after that. Just to be like, oh, I wonder if he tweeted about his stoop sale. Uh, and he was tweeting with the Passion Pit account. Passion Pit was like, this is like when past Passion Pit was huge. Uh, and apparently Passion Pit had been there at almost the exact same time that I had. So for all I could have known, the lead singer of Passion Pit might have been shopping Eugene Merman's stoop sale right next to me, and I never would have known it. Wow, what a story. There you go. Bob Mould, former WCW writer. Um, do you think Damien Abraham still listens to the show? I don't know. He was uh, he was an original EE head. I don't know yeah. if he moved over to the this uh, I hmm, iteration. This rebrand. This rebrand. <laughs> you obviously had the word in your head because you started spelling it. <laughs> I almost said I iteration. I iteration. It's both I an I was, iter thinking, I was thinking of like I ten I <laughs> itinerary or like I itinerant. Is that a word? Yeah, I think that's yeah. a I think that's a word. Yeah. I, I mean, itinerant. that is a word. Traveling from place to place. That's a good word. Oh, yeah. it's somebody who does an itinerary. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's taken us no, two. Y'all, it, it's taken us two weeks of us going immediately after uh, dynamite for us to go completely off the rails. So great work here, yeah. guys. I'm proud of us here. Well, it's been a uh, it's been a wild week because I don't. Did I say this on the show that my wife? Uh, broke her hand and so had to drive her to work and so she goes to work earlier than i ever get up so i've had to get up early it's been miserable uh, i don't know if we said that on the show we definitely discussed mm. it uh because you were you were being mean to your wife and uh, i took your wife's side i believe uh that's usually what happens <laughs> <laughs> hope she hears this bro <laughs> <laughs> huge points of aaron's wife <laughs> oh okay
Let's talk about the show, I guess. We're on Twitter. <laughs> Everything AEW. We're if we on must. Twitter account. I'm at Aaron Light the Car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fuji. Hey, uh, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, give us a five-star rating and a review if you use the Apple Podcast app. And, of course, the number one top dog, very best way to support the show, is over at patreon.com slash everything elite, where uh, I discovered yesterday we've already done nine Patreon episodes this month. It's the 17th. We've done nine episodes. Okay. Uh, well, as usual, except not last week, <laughs> we're going to start off with Elite or Delete. Nate, what was your Elite pick? What was your favorite thing from this week's show? Don't know if this was my favorite thing because it was a pretty strong show. Um, now that we're doing these right after the show, we don't get quite as much distance to to think back on what we saw. Um, and that's kind of, you can kind of use that time to say, what, what actually stuck with me from this week's episode of Dynamite? Uh, but I'm going to go with, I think, what just got me the most hyped, and that was the main event of the program, the six-man tag. Uh, it was uh, a little wild, a little, uh, uh, I don't know about slop. sloppy is probably not the right word to use, but a little freewheeling. Um, and they've really carved out this great spot in wrestling right now with these six-man tag matches that they do in this promotion. And especially because they have guys like Ray Phoenix on the roster who are just like, I'm just going to go fucking make this match all super exciting all by myself. Uh, and then he does it. Uh, and you just got a ton of great action, big spots, lots of uh, 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 sort of character interplay with, you know, the focus coming back to Moxley and uh, Eddie Kingston in the final, uh, in the final moments of the match. Uh, and it was just very exciting. I especially liked... Uh, Ray Phoenix cutting people off with just kicks out of nowhere. It'd be like, oh, this guy's going to run across the ring. No, no, actually, Ray Phoenix is there having uh, materialized in the middle of the ring, and he's going to kick you in the crown of the head uh, while doing like a one-armed handstand or something. He's the best. Uh, these matches rock. I can't believe like how <laughs> – what like a joyous inclusion uh, in this wrestling promotion, Butcher and the Blade are. Like they've just been part of so many – uh fun matches and i'm just like yeah i don't know there's so few people i don't know if there's anybody that really like their segment comes up on, on tv and i go oh i don't need to see this guy uh, and i think it's probably a testament to where aew is at right now it was such a fun main event and i think that's the big takeaway from the show in general is that they had six matches on the show and your mileage might vary on some of the others, but you had at least three matches that were very good to great. I had two matches on the show that were quote-unquote notebook-worthy. And a lot of that was because the main event was just like this fun, freewheeling brawl that you know plays into everyone's strengths. And the idea of Moxley, Archer, and Phoenix, like in the past, like when they did a beach break, these guys should not all be on the same page, but they finally kind of get it all together towards the end into this awesome conclusion. And then you know how I feel about hot tags, Nate. Phoenix's hot tag on this show was one of the, I don't know if I think it's as much as gleeful as Matt Cardona's hot tag, but it was just truly exceptional. He is probably my most outstanding wrestler of the year. It's either him, Jason Lee or Mace Ruga at this point. And just truly exceptional match. And then finish the show with a, with a like molten hot angle and they for as as much as I used to go like we're five weeks 
from this pay-per-view. We're three weeks from this pay-per-view. We virtually know the majority of the card now coming out of the show, and it's hard to walk away from a show this far out, and you're building up to be a huge pay-per-view and not be enthused with what they put out there. Yes, I, I agree with that. Should we should we just go ahead and go into the post match now since we talked about the big main event? I mean Hey, I'm 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 crazy. I say we do it. Wow. Yeah, let's do yeah. this. It, it ties in together. Like it Set makes yourselves sense. in, listeners. It does. It does. So Kenny comes out after the main event. Looking insane. Uh, looking Inc- insane. Incredible boots. One of his Tremendous. boots were I don't know. Looked expensive yeah. and were very fly. I'll and, get back to the boots and the shirt um, that was straight out of a run fair. Just yes, it was. A great I want. One. I want to shout out the boots again before Aaron starts to talk. Boots were I'll amazing. Get, I'll get back to the boots. <laughs> Anybody else? Boots? No. The, go. Yeah, what are you waiting yeah. for? Come on. Right. Yeah. Uh, the Good Brothers attacked Boxley. Kenny Omega came out. Uh, he says, "Hey, there's a rematch clause snuck into his contract, but he's going to name the step, and he names." exploding barbed wire death match as the stip uh jim ross's immediate comment after the stipulation is announced those boots that omega is wearing look like women's <laughs> oh i thought he said weapons i think he said weapons oh did he yeah yeah yeah. i i couldn't tell one way or another i at that point i was too busy seeing if i can get uh tom nakano <laughs> in the country to be in john moxley's corner I thought for sure he said they looked like women. I think he said weapons. I think he said it while he was doing the V triggers, I think. Okay, sorry. Sorry, JR. So, um, yeah, I'm glad that I shouted out the boots earlier because your your, your <laughs> shout-out was lacking. I'm going to do my delete right now. Okay. Because okay, uh, sure. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Can we just talk about the Exploding Barbed Wire death match first? Fine. They're doing an Exploding Barbed Wire <laughs> death match. And it's going to be sick. Yeah, very cool. Very uh, great escalation of this feud, uh, which started with a lights out match. Um, and <laughs> yeah. Kenny, Kenny cut this like good promo at hyperspeed because he wanted to get it all in before the show ended. So he came out and hit like 30 points in like 90 seconds. So that was pretty impressive. My delete <laughs> is why did we have to set this up with a rematch clause in the contract? Yeah, Extremely fun. lazy. Uh, Tony Khan went on TNA and is just really feeling himself cutting, you know, these big grandstanding heel promos, uh, on, on TNA and also on the wrestle fetish podcast. Um, and <laughs> promised Tony, we talk about fetishes all the time on this podcast. No reason you can't join. Do I need to open the horny door on my side to get Tony <laughs> on here? Because if that, if that's what it takes, I'm willing to do it. If you open the horny door, we're going to have to call you the throat goat. <laughs> never mind. Tony Khan will never be on everything elite. So they have, so they do, you know, rematch clauses in general are WWE shit, lazy WWE shit. And Tony set this up by promising a big surprise for Kenny Omega on this show on <laughs> TNA impact. So classic TK over promise. Uh, he just gets so fucking excited about his booking. He's very high on his own booking. Uh, and he just can't help but over promise on it. And you didn't need to do it. You could just say, hey, uh, by the way, I'm the booker. I'm the general manager of this promotion. I'm the owner. I'm the founder, whatever. Uh, You fucking cheated in the title match against our champion. You had outside help. You hit the guy with a fucking microphone. You have to wrestle him again, motherfucker. That makes all the sense of the world. You don't have to go, 
oh, I, I love contract angles. Uh, John Moxley gets an automatic rematch, uh, but the opponent gets to choose the stipulation. Very love goofy. It. So thank God Don Callis is here to set things right and, and uh, you know, give us a exploding match to justify this stupid con- contract nonsense. A lot of contract angles on this show. Yeah, I mean, as not a legal professional, I was kind of a little bit in the weeds with all of this. But yeah, like, like there was enough justification I felt like with the finish of the match that you could, that you didn't have to say, oh, there was a clause in the contract. You, you're being too cute by half there. Like, yeah. Also, also, you're like, I don't know, some amount of weeks removed from six weeks removed from it, eight weeks. And just now it's like, hey, by the way, it's rematch clause. Like, it just, just seems like a lazy shortcut to go. We need to set up a new challenger for the next pay per view. Uh, we're just now going to mention that he's got a rematch clause from the match that happened six weeks ago. Just like, have have Tony Khan go on TNA and be like, hey, fucking Don Callis, you showed up in my promotion uh, and you screwed me over and screwed our company over with your guy, Kenny Omega. Um, so Kenny Omega has to wrestle John Moxley again because that's what's up because John Moxley's our our guy. He's our ace. And uh, it just it's simpler. It's cleaner. And it lets Tony promo on TNA. And Mox is the kind of guy that his character, it wouldn't make sense for him to turn down a stipulation. So if Omega was like, well, fine, but we're doing this. And... Moxley would be like, okay, great. And it's his shit anyway, right? Yeah. Like this kind of death match. So anyway, I think it's cool because a, f- a friend texted me right after this and was like, you know, what the fuck? This sounds like a dumb stipulation. I'm like, uh, no, this is cool. <laughs> uh, if you don't watch a lot of, you know, Japanese death matches, maybe you haven't seen much of it, uh, but it rocks. And uh, I mean, I worry a little bit because like the barbed wire on the bat was so shitty, like the first time that they, that they did it, but it's on pay-per-view. I'm hopeful that they're going to make this really disgusting. (laughs) I mean, it it all is going to come down to how good does the explosion look? Right. Yeah. Yes. And it's something that they don't have to worry about the Maryland State Athletic Commission. So they don't have to like gimmick things up if they really want to. John Moxley has dealt with his fair share of barbed wire in his life. Like, don't gimmick it at this point. You're in Florida. You're in Jacksonville. It's a lawless state. Just go ahead and just do the biggest damn explosion possible. Get all the permits that if you need a permit in Duval County and use real barbed wire. Come on. Okay, I have a I have a new idea also. Uh, so we saw a gender reveal on this show. First ever. Wait, what are you doing now? First ever gender reveal on wrestling television. <laughs> Nate just going into business for himself here. Right? Yeah, what do you want? John, John and Renee need to one-up Cody and have the explosion for the barbed wire match reveal the gender of their child. So okay. if the explosion is blue, then sure. and it's a boy, uh, or, you know, it's uh, 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 biologically, you know, the woke way of saying this. Um, <laughs> and if it's, if there's no woke way to do it, I think. I, it's just funny, to, the idea of a barbed wire exploding. Gender Ex- anyway, the, yeah. the, the alarms go off, and then suddenly Renee... Paquette makes her first ever appearance on AEW TV, and we like see her in the corner. It's like five, four, <laughs> three, two, one, and then whatever color it is is that. Yeah, there we go. Uh, D- Danny uh, also makes a great point in the YouTube chat of another big part of the match is how the ref sells the explosion. Yeah, that's very important. Yeah, like you're gonna need someone that's going to. Uh, here's some lore here about those FNW ones. You all have probably seen who the person that was the referee for all the exploding death matches in FNW in a different role. 
I, oh, I know this already. I won't he, guess because I know the answer. Somebody told me this, but I don't remember what it is now. Well, I'll give you a hint. Mike told you this. <laughs> okay. Because yes. I, I think after watching the Onita Hayabusa match, I asked if the referee was dead. No, 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 no. That referee is very much not he's, dead. He's, he's still wrestling at an impossible level for his age. How about that? Yeah, and considering what he did, I'll give you one is, more chance. Is it Masaki Mochizuki? <laughs> That's no. the other one. The other, the other one in that same wheelhouse. <laughs> I just think Mike Spears, an old wrestler who's still good. I can only think of Dragon Kid. Mochizuki. Dragon Kid. That's right. You did tell me that. Yeah, yeah. So. I'm an asshole. I have well, a bad well, brain. So, so they need to fly in Dragon Kid. They'll put him in the, the whole costume so he can explode. Like, that's the other thing. It's like they always would, like, suit up the people in FMW deathmatches so, like, they wouldn't get burned to, like, sell the explosion. So that's something they need to do as well with this. And I, the person that I think would probably do the best job of selling the explosion would probably be Bryce Rumsberg. So I think mm, you got to yeah. get him in some, like, fire retardant, uh, like, dungarees or something i don't know okay we need to bring in someone who has experience with this yes dragon kid does uh daichi they should bring daichi in he's, he's bryce ramsberg should have been wearing a toupee for his entire tenure in the company up until now so if oh, the explosion yes. goes off he can set it on fire cinches his head and then he's bald from that point forward yes uh, tony you have to think of these things in advance it's it's unacceptable <laughs> that you haven't plotted this out and you have Bryce Rimsburg wearing a toupee for a year plus so that we can light it on fire during the explosion match. Come on. Come on. That's the, th the real three-year story. The real three-year story. Uh, should I say my elite now and some semblance of getting us back on some sort of yeah, rails? Yeah, I'm, I'm done now. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm, I'm, Nate's going to go get some tea himself, I suppose. <laughs> uh, so overall, like there was a lot of stuff that I was really amused by on the show, but nothing amused me more on the show than Kenny Omega reading the Young Bucks book to a bunch of daycare kids. Like the matches were great. We'll talk about the matches. I know a I know Aaron, I know A B, you're gonna have um a, a match that you're probably gonna talk about that I didn't want to steal your thunder here because I was just so completely charmed by the idea of Kenny Omega coming in like in a waist waistcoat in the title belt, leaving the title belt there. Like we did not see the title belt for the rest of the night. That title belt might still be at that daycare and reading the Young Bucks book and then the, the everyone being really sad that Kenny left and they all be, beat up Michael Nakazawa just was a tremendous segment like this is like exactly the kind of stuff that I feel like that they should do more of to tap into Kenny's complete uh just egomaniac character and it was something that on a on a show again that I, I had two notebook matches on that I kind of came away and yeah I've seen a lot of Young Bucks and I've seen Ortiz matches at Rock I've seen the, like this freewheeling trios match has kind of become their house specialty, but I'm walking away from the show just like gleefully cackling at Kenny Omega doing an appearance. The one thing that they should have done, they should have had John, Don Callis whisper into Kenny Omega's ear that he had to go, and then Kenny would have to make the George W. Bush face and walk away. Would have had the book upside down to sell that joke. <laughs> um, now I, I now I really am confused. Uh, I mean, by the way, I want everybody to know Nate did actually leave. I mean, he disappeared. I got water. He's back. Uh, so I'm not sure, Mike, now if I should do my elite or just let you do your No, now we talk about Mike's elite. What do we always do? Okay, you're right. See, you've thrown me, you've thrown me off here. Uh, it's very, very simple. I've been put over recently as a great podcast host. So uh, I'm losing my touch here, clearly. This, uh, these late hours are not... Uh, helping with your not flexibility. So yeah, I like the segment. Funny segment. Uh, Don Callis has like genuine comedic timing and chops where he can make a line read in a 
uh, pro wrestling skit, like funny. Uh, and you know, just him and Kenny scumbag characters are very, very entertaining. Um, it is, it's, it's, it's a funny idea and cute to do. Uh, and it is like a funny sort of send up of, Oh, you know, what is a, what is a world champion go and do in the community or whatever? Oh, I'll go and read to some children or whatever, but he's like obnoxious. So this is what he does. Uh, I can't, you know, everybody like knows this, but kind of unnecessary to go read to a bunch of children during a pandemic. I mean, what a, I, uh, yeah. I guess I'm not, I guess I'm oh, not yeah. really mad because just as, as a society, we've decided not to care about anything. So what can you do? Um, but it was funny. I did laugh. Uh, I think Callus's funny line read was like the kids, the kids had this line where they were supposed to say, we hate Nakazawa. And Callus like says an aside to Kenny. He's like, Oh, they said that they hate Nakazawa. That's not good or something. And I, <laughs> <laughs> it just was. Yeah. It, like it is something that like in the context of the world we live in, it is wild that they did this and that they thought it would be a smart idea to go to a daycare to do this. But they just did. like, uh, they also did a skit at a daycare on BTE, so I wonder if they just had had this hookup at a Florida daycare, and they were decided they were going to make the most of it. I've decided not to make a joke about them having a hookup at a Florida daycare. Um, I flipped over uh, because I got a text that Kentucky was up one and Vanderbilt was shooting free throws with 30 seconds left, so I was like, god damn it they were winning by 10 at halftime or whatever uh but they won so it was okay so i i missed most of this um so i'm not going to comment on it basically is what i'm saying got it all right uh i guess i'll do my elite pick now i'm just gonna go chalk here uh the ace is back riho's back she showed back up she uh reclaimed her rightful throne as the ace of the women's division just immediately so if you haven't been watching uh japanese wrestling for you know japanese women's wrestling for the past 11 months you've missed riho completely but trust me you haven't missed much because she hardly did anything in japan hey so, she got lunch she got lunch many times uh, she hardly did anything wrestling wise in japan and so i'm like well what are we getting out of riho here and of course she just had a fucking banger of a match uh really good they got a lot of time to the point that people in the Discord were starting to wonder if it was going to go to a draw so they could set up an NWA women's title match for Revolution, which I think they can still do based on this result. Uh, but it was just good. Welcome back, Riho. Welcome back, Riho, Queen. Um, yeah, really good match. Uh, really had – I didn't love, like, every part of the match. Like, the beginning uh, was fine or whatever, but they had a bunch of big spots that I thought could be the finish and just totally had me bite on the near fall. Um, with like really effective looking pin counters and shit and like people hitting their finish or whatever, Rio, you know, doing a big cross body and then D rolling through. Uh, so totally hooked me by the end of it. Um, and yeah, I think this, this strengthens my belief that Riho eventually loses to Brit. Um, I guess the question is, do you want to do an NWA women's title match because she beat Deeb here? Unless you're going to put the NWA women's title on Riho, maybe that's fine. Maybe they just do that because the NWA uh, not exactly running it uh, uh, on all cylinders at this point. I, I mean, you could have finished that sentence at not really running. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't know. Th that'd be cool to see. It'd be, you know, it's a good reason to sort of give her a belt while also anointing Brit. 
But they also already did like a twenty minute match or whatever. So well, well, like I mean, I'll see that match again. Yeah. And, and here's the justification that you could say if Deeb wants to defend against Riho. She did not uh, like Riho almost emptied her whole arsenal on her, except for the running Samato. And you could say like, I kicked out of your diving foot stomp. I kicked out of your Northern Light suplex. You had to get me on a flash pin. I know I'm better than that, and I want to face you, and, and I'll put my title online as incentive to, base you, to face you. And I think it would be a real interesting match coming out of that. I think that there's enough justification there to do a rematch there. It was a match that took a while to get going. It was something that, like, they like through the first commercial break where they decided to— uh, th- there was a whole lot of the ring Doc Samson on this episode. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm glad that was in the commercial so I can pretend it didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like they completely stalled out entire commercial break with that. But as soon as they came back from commercial break, that was really that was really awesome. Uh, Riho coming down hard on that double stomp uh, onto D, that looked brutal. And, you know, I felt like that the way that she finished the match with the Gato Clutch coming out of a bunch of pen attempts really kind of felt like that she got out by the, by like the skin of her teeth. And I feel like that that was a enough reason for a rematch. They want to do that. And, you know, everything in this women's tournament so far has been a great amount of fun and shows you how badly they managed the women's division that time. Yeah, the uh, that, that probably contributes to why I didn't love all the match because, of course, on Fight TV, I saw that whole Doc Samson stuff on there. So I was like, okay, whatever. Riho's pretending to, like, have a broken neck lying on the ground on the outside. Uh, this is this is whatever. Um but yeah, that double stomp I did want to shout out also because she I think she has the best double stomp in wrestling because as they told us, I don't know, 24, 26 times, she is 98 pounds. So I think she just actually does a double stomp to them and lands her full body weight on their sternum. So it looks awesome. Um, you know, compare that to uh, uh, the Prinks, the Prinks, Prink, Prinks Devitt. <laughs> Finn Balor. I did not know where you were going. <laughs> the pr- the prinks. I haven't heard ho- anybody say that out loud. So I was no, figuring. certainly be uh, the hottest thing in the business. Uh, his looks like dog shit. Uh, Kent does. Kent does looks like like fine. Um, but you know, you like saw on the table spot the other week. He, you know, he's not really laying that in and putting his body weight into the guy because that would really fucking hurt. Wait, I've, and, got, um, I've, got, a, I've got a bit. Okay. Oh, oh. Okay. Here we go. Here. Oh, Aaron's bit of the week. The Prinksy? <laughs> that oh was actually God. good, Aaron. That was actually really good. I'm proud of you. Thanks. The <laughs> very Tommy Voros twins reference. Yeah. What those guys? Sweeping, still sweeping the nation. Oh God. Um, but yeah, uh, it, that rolls. I, I have another delete. Um, the. Okay. The whole the babyface side of the crowd was chanting for Serena Deeb, and I don't understand why you would direct them to do that. Like, I guess both these women are babyfaces, I think. So, I guess that's like fine that it's a split crowd, but you know, Riho's going over. You know, Riho is making her return after a year out of the company. Like, the crowd should be behind Riho, and when you control the crowd because they're your wrestlers, just be like, "Hey, Riho's the big babyface here. You want her to win." Because then when she wins, it's like everybody's happy. I don't know that kind of a nitpick, but I was like, why are they why are they chanting louder for D? That annoyed me. Yeah, ride with the with the winners. That's what I would certainly do. Uh, the only weird thing about a potential rematch is Riho 
is going to have to lose a match before that match would happen. Yeah, the Brit. So that may, well, I don't know though, because do, do they just want to do Thunder Rosa versus Brit again? Yeah. No, Riho beats Thunder Rosa and then loses to Brit. I know, but I'm saying Thunder Rosa and Brit have like a thing. Oh, yeah. I don't think they want to go right back to that now. I mean, that's something you can keep it in the chamber. Uh, the other thing about the rematch, uh, this title, probably the NWA World Women's title, probably means a lot more to Japan right now than it does in the United States. So the fact that she would have become that champion is like one of those things. I mean, when they when it was during the, I'm blinking on his name here, uh, Sancho, uh, the lawyer in a New Japan. Come on. I, I oh, missed out on oh, Bruce Tharpdes. Bruce Tharp. Yeah, Bruce Tharpdes. Like, that was a big deal because, like, the NWA means something in Japan. So, like, I feel like that there's a lot of justification there. Uh, other good double stomps because the, there are a few. And J-Pop mentioned it in a live chat. So, I want to make sure that this well, is I on there. I saw the Loki. Lo- think... Loki. Oh, the Warriors Way owns. I've seen him wreck people with that. Yeah. I guess I'm, I guess I'm a little skeptical that Loki's working. Well, I mean, I that, 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 that is true. That is true. <laughs> and by working, I mean like having matches. I don't know. Is he in MLW, I guess? Yeah, he's still in MLW right now. Okay. He's All still right. in. Uh, I, I do think that by far, I think that uh, Riho has the best double stomp out of the Joshi. Because most Joshi, you notice, like, they come <laughs> down on their knees. At, like, right afterwards, they're not doing full motion there. So there's a lot of ways to go with that that I feel like would be pretty good there. Just went to Loki's uh, cage match. Most recent match on MLW on January 13, 2021. Loki defeats Bud Heavy by referee's <laughs> yeah. decision in eight seconds. Not as fast as Ricky Starks on Dark. Not That's as fast. Um, should I talk okay. about my delete now, I guess? Uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need you to stick to one here, Mike. Uh, uh, I, I, I think I can. I think okay. I can. Thanks, bud. Uh, so... I have to say that there's a lot that they've put together for this Revolution card tonight that I'm very enthusiastic about. We've talked about the the, uh, the exploding ring barbed wire death match. Down for that. Young Bucks versus Jericho and MJF. That should be, I mean, the Young Bucks are exceptional. Uh, but I have to say some of the lower card stuff just looks completely just like, okay, we have to get people on the show. Like this whole face the revolution ladder match, which, hey, they want to have a ladder match and Cody's uh, storyline is over at this point. And you have other people like Scorpio Sky and Pentagon Jr. who really aren't doing a whole lot in the company right now. So it's a good way to kind of go in there. But just there, there it feels like that the business in the card now, especially with like how they heated up uh, Team Taz versus Darby and Sting. And now that we know that it's going to be Hikaru Shida versus the tournament winner and all three of us predicted Britt Baker. Like, you have a very strong business in the card here, but what the other stuff that they're having to fill out this show that they announced tonight, not really enthused about, to be honest. But we're, I'm getting exploding barbed wire match live for the first time in my life. Like, that's going to be insane. Like, uh, very few people ha- have watched exploding barbed wire uh, death matches live, so that's a really rad thing to experience. But it's just this face of the Revolution ladder match. It feels kind of like when they did that other ladder match at uh, Double or Nothing 2. Where it's just like, okay. And I just kind of wish they would kind of like find other ways to get people onto the shows. Yeah. Uh, hot shotting ladder matches is NXT shit. Yes. I put on the notes NXT ass ladder match was my, uh, or was a delete that I proposed. Yeah. It sucks. Uh, but, you know, who can forget? Uh, we wouldn't have gotten the great moment of, of Tom Brady winning his 
30th Super Bowl without him winning the ladder match to get there. So uh, I was, I'm pretty pleased that that's what they've decided to do. My delete, what's left on the board here? Um, I'm, I guess I'm just going to say, yeah, the fucking, the build for the Matt Hardy, Adam Page thing, that's dumb as shit. Uh, I kind of, I think I like it now. Because I don't like it. I know. I know. But no, I think I, I think I've just turned the corner on big money. Matt Eddie amuses me. Uh, two contract angles on the show. One yeah. Of them about their first quarter earnings. That's the stipulation. <laughs> That's dumb as shit. Uh, I mean, not to mention the fact, you know, in the middle of a pandemic, it's kind of weird. Uh, but I just hate it. I just I think it's dumb. Uh, I don't like watching Adam Page at this point. Don't have any interest in him. So I hate that because I like him a lot. I like the first quarter earnings thing is like, I'm pretty split because it's like a very funny specific to me to be that specific about it. But it is also obviously very silly and dumb. Um, yeah, they, somebody loves contract angles. And it's just like the way that it was like the one part of this angle that I liked was Dark Order coming out and they had like the nice little thing. Alan Angel's got a chance to to lay out Matt Hardy and that was cool and like the way that was kind of like building up there and I like that part of it but the rest of it you're just like okay so we thought that it was going to be like oh hangman pull the trick here but now we're doing a match for everyone's quarter one earnings it's the money match and you're just like hey at least they've built this up through all the uh, vlogs at least but it's dumb as hell uh, that, was, also, that was a good line from hangman I think we got a money match. Yeah, that was that, that also works on two levels because Matt Hardy's gimmick on BT was explain, explaining inside terms, and he's like, "Oh, I'm big money Matt. Now I can do a I can do a trademark match called the money match. Get it? It's an inside term. Um, so that's cute. Yeah, I think I I I think I just like the like the premise of all these people being suitors for Adam Page, uh, and they put that over on commentary a lot. Like, oh, Jr. was obsessed with the pay window tonight. Uh, but he's like, yeah, everybody wants Adam Page because he's very talented and he'll win, win them a lot of money. Which is like, okay, whatever. But the Dark Order like coming out to make the save was pretty cute. Maybe we're still going to get Page just joining that and it'll all wrap up with a nice little bow. But yeah, you know, the contract thing. You're going to have a limited tolerance for contract angles in wrestling. Uh, listener Elite, uh, Kara, friend of the show, Kara, uh, her elite, the sizzle reel of Shaq making a free throw. <laughs> uh, it was a three pointer. Oh, sorry, I took Car at her word that it was a, a free throw. Well, but uh, still, Jade still. Cargill, Jade Cargill. Somebody put Jade Cargill over on Twitter and was like, "Wow, training with Jade even has Shaq hitting free throws." And Jade said, <laughs> "Oh no, no, that was a three pointer." Oh wow! Well, they tricked Car also. Uh, but yeah, for, for our non-sports fans out there, if you, you know, it's hard to understand AEW sometimes if you don't watch sports and I'll just let you know, Shaq wasn't good at shooting free throws as an NBA player. There was an entire strategy devoted to how bad of a three throw shooter he was based. He that's, was. That's true. The that's Dallas true. Mavericks pioneered the hack of Shaq, Donnie Nelson, but yeah, <laughs> no, really interesting thing. And finally had some connective t- tissue in the storyline whatsoever. So we actually have Shaq and uh, uh, and Jay Cargill together, which was much needed. <laughs> yes, yeah, so there's like a little we can believe a little bit that they have any sort of relationship because yeah, they did this one thing that was that needed to be done probably because up to this point has not existed. 
She played like college hoops, right? I think she was a basketball player. Definitely a college athlete. Yes, Jacksonville University. So she's a Jacksonville native, or not a Jacksonville native, but uh, very familiar with the city of Jacksonville. What is Jacksonville's mascot? I used to know this. This this used to be a game my dad and I played was naming mascots of obscure schools to each other. Well, their minor league baseball team is the Jumbo Shrimp. Jumbo Shrimp, of course, yeah. But Jacksonville University, because there's also Jackson State, which is coached by Deion Sanders now. She's from Atlanta. I just yeah, she's yeah, yeah. It's a it's a pretty. I mean, it's a pretty Florida um, nickname or mascot. Oh, the Jacksonville University. Yeah. Jacksonville University. They um, are the Dolphins. They are. I mean, I already. I was waiting for you to guess, but you just looked it up, didn't you? Yeah, dude. I, 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 I'm not gonna. We, we saw how the Dragon Kid lore went earlier today. <laughs> That's true. All right, listener delete. Uh, Chelsea says it's been said, done to death, but the absolute failure to plan ahead and better showcase the women's tournament, uh, which uh, I agree as at least as far as it relates to throwing like two of your biggest stars in the women's division, uh, one of your former champions on YouTube. Uh, very strange choice. Yeah, you know, I, I complained about this on Twitter and had people come in, oh, they don't have enough time to do it before a revolution. Well, that's not my fault. That's their fault. <laughs> yeah, who, who plans the fucking shows? Yeah, so start doing this earlier and then you have plenty of fucking time. Or, I mean, I don't want to take time away from the really good women's match we had tonight, but you can fit two matches in on a show if you make all the matches shorter. All the yeah. matches are very long. Take take two minutes off every match and you can do a whole nother match. Like, and, come on. And it... And it's something also like they did the promo package, which is what I was expecting just because of just technology and what would Turner want to have the Japanese matches on TV. But it's very clear now how much this all came together very quickly between how some of the stuff that I know that like I know that Aaron, you picked up on with the Japanese uh, side of the bracket, especially with, like, with like Excalibur, it does seem like that. Like Excalibur did a lot of good work on commentary, but you could kind of tell that Excalibur kind of did it by himself. So it's something that everything kind of feels kind of thrown together when, I mean, they knew they were going to do this. They had Riho back in the States several weeks, or she was planning on bring, coming back in the States at least by the end of last year, I think was the first time there was any inkling that she was because she wrapped up at stardom and she other than appearing at choco pro there was nothing else she was doing in japan so there was indication that she was coming back but you could tell like how this was kind of done by the seat of their pants and especially for someone like take conti who if you watch dark take conti has a legitimate argument to be the most improved wrestler 2021 like she is legitimately turning into a great wrestler and instead of showcasing that on dynamite you're putting it on youtube which hey that means that there, it's going to be an hour of solid matches there, so I'm not going to complain about that, but you should be having that on TV. And that's the part of the bracket where you can get put on TV versus yeah. empty arena and ice ribbon. You can have all your nice production quality, and yeah, we're not talking about um, who to pick on. Uh, your pig dreams, putting your Alex Garcia's on Dynamite. We're talking about four women who should be pushed television acts in Nyla, Ty Conti, Anna Jay, and Britt Baker, who's like been the cornerstone of your division. Yeah, those those should be pushed and advertised matches on television and, you know, been like, this is an attraction. You should pay attention to these women because they're going to be important going forward. In the hobby, 
it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever, but if you're really in this game to, to find value and find particular cards... It sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You get a display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. And you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying... Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash VOW net. Arenaclub.com slash VOW net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Yeah, it sucks. Uh, let's move on to uh, the rest of the show. Of course, it kicked off with Matt Hardy and Hangman Page defeating THTH2. TH2. Weird. Hardy pinned on Helico with the twist of fate. Uh after the match. Yeah, we got this angle where uh okay. Uh, Jackson DeVille comes out with the contract. He's uh, Hangman wants somebody from legal to bring the contract out. And so of course it's Jackson DeVille Esquire who comes out with now the they contract. did they breadcrumbed that a little bit because his Chiron said that Hangman Page had recently hired a shady legal team so they they set the stage for him having bad legal representation at the beginning of the match i guess even though he was able to like get this over on matt hardy yeah it's yeah anyway matt hardy looks at the contract says oh this is actually a match or for a match between us and you know the the first quarter earnings thing but jackson is actually isaiah cassidy I'm not sure how Isaiah Cassidy got the contract. Um, 
I'm imagining Adam Page going to a lawyer's office where Jackson DeVille is sitting behind a desk, <laughs> but it's actually Isaiah Cassidy behind the desk. How did Isaiah get the costume? Well, that I'm, it's easier for me to believe than how he got the contract. I mean, there's got to be Jackson DeVille costumes just sitting around. <laughs> well, yeah, 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 so if we track the evidence, Matt Hardy said as soon as he, he countersigned the contract that Adam Page switched out, he sent it to the lawyer, which must mean... Right. Uh, Mega Parek, the Jacksonville general counsel, AEW general counsel. Sure. Presumably, as the lawyer, she is the one that's taking these Mads contracts uh, and you know making a recording of them and and putting them in their record yeah, system, like a, like a deed book. Yeah. Um, and then I guess you know once you've made the made the record of it, the actual one is probably just sitting in a sitting in a file cabinet somewhere. So Isaiah Cassidy went and and took it from Megaprex office and then to conceal his identity attacked Jackson DeVille and stole his outfit like Hitman. Um, I think that's what must have happened. But why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what did Isaiah Cassidy gain by doing that? I mean, Isaiah Cassidy only, the only <laughs> thing that it must be that Isaiah Cassidy knew so everyone watches the show. We know that everyone watches Dynamite. Right. Except Matt Hardy, Matt Hardy apparently. Well, but Isaiah Cassidy must have known that he switched it, so he wanted to get his hands on it. That's the only thing that makes sense. Otherwise, <laughs> why why would he need a copy of the contract that Matt Hardy believed made Hangman Page's client? Also, which Matt Hardy already had in his possession, but let it out of his possession. I mean, you'd think they could just go to Mega's office and say, hey, can we get a copy of that? That contract yeah. I sent you. Very weird. We spent uh, obviously more time thinking about this uh, than our good friend Tony Khan, our our wrestle fetish friend Tony Khan. Um, yeah, so that happened. Uh, Alex Marvez was with the Inner Circle. He pointed out that this is going to be Santana Ortiz's first tag title shot in AEW. I was surprised to hear that <laughs> as someone who's watched every show that's happened. They lose a lot. Yeah, I guess so. They uh, were they doing. I was gonna say they were doing that huge Bucks feud and never really got into the SEU part, so it makes sense. That's true. That's true. Uh, they think it's because other teams are afraid of them. MJF, uh, he's still mad at Sammy. So Sammy crossed the line because he claimed I was recording. Well, I wasn't. Now Sammy won't apologize. Jericho tells MJF to shut up because we all saw what you were trying to do. Uh, you kept goading Sammy and caused him to quit. Uh, but the majority of this is still Sammy's fault, and Sammy is now dead to me. Yeah, they so they did a lot of work here trying to fix the goofy angle that I complained about a lot last week. And MJF saying, why would I record you when there's a camera in the room? Um, I think and they, they did like a pretty competent job of it, I think. You know, sort of just getting down to the brass tacks of who's mad at who and why. It's like, okay, Chris Jericho acknowledges that everyone has seen MJF being shady for weeks on end, but he's madder at Sammy Guevara for abandoning him or whatever. Okay, fine. Riho defeated Serena D with the Gato Clutch, which we talked about in the video of, of Jade Cargill. Um, well, he, I mean, I'm glad this match happened, but here's something that didn't have to be on this show uh, when we're talking about, oh, why can't you fit two women's matches on the show? Uh, Orange Cassidy defeated Luther with the Orange Punch, and honestly, a match that I enjoyed a lot. It was fun. Like, I'm it got reckless, and we got a really sick, awful waffle on Serpentico. And, you know, it 
this was a match that did not need to be there, but did not overstay its welcome, and it got reckless and fun. And, I mean, you got Chuck and Orange Cassie, but no Miro whatsoever about this, which is kind of weird. Yeah, Danny asked in the chat why was Orange here on this show if they didn't progress the Miro story. I think this is fine that they put this here because they did this giant angle with Orange and Chuck and those people. Uh, and if just none of those guys are on the show at all, and you're kind of like, oh, what, you know, what happened there? There's no sort of continuity. I think if you're somebody who dipped in and saw that angle and saw Orange get the best of Kip and Miro, et cetera, um, then it kind of helps you to to keep your focus as Orange Cassidy comes out on this show and we see those guys beat up a couple jobbers. I think that's productive. Um, and yeah, mostly this was highlighted by the awesome looking awful waffle. Yeah. Also think it's possible. I mean, I don't know, but a lot of people have seemed got snowed out of being there. So I don't know if Miro just couldn't be there. True. Uh, speaking of, we had a video recap of uh, Darby Allen and Joey Janela from last week. I assume Darby couldn't be at the show for some reason. Um, uh, he got dragged in a body bag behind a truck. Oh, that's that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> so that's uh, that's kind of why Sting was pissed off. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, Taz came out uh, only with Brian Cage and Hook because Ricky and uh, Will Hobbs could not make it. Uh, she's been seeing on social media all week that Sting's going to call out Team Taz, so he's come out to call out Sting. Um, Sting comes out. And Taz tells him he's made a mistake stepping in the ring, but he notices he's got the bat, says he'd be done without the bat. So Sting drops the bat and he goes right after Brian Cage, which great. I, that got a true laugh out of me. I really enjoyed that. Uh, Hook attacks Sting with the bat. Cage was able to, you know, get back in control and then uh, delivered a pretty nasty powerbomb to a 60 year old Sting. Yeah, this is pretty fucking wild. Uh, got a big reaction from me from the powerbomb, of course, because we all. All are sort of operating under the belief that Sting had, what was it, spinal stenosis and was not in a position where he could be taking a lot of bumps. Uh, but Brian Cage powerbombed the shit out of him. Uh, I kind of, it was pretty awesome. And it was finally like a really good escalation of this feud that they've been dancing around for weeks on end. Um, I don't know if they, you know, they had to wait for Sting's spine to heal or something before they could get to this point. Uh, but it finally felt like, oh, now shit is serious uh, with Brian Cage putting him in the mat. I do kind of wish they, like, I don't know, maybe maybe commentary or somebody sold this a bit bigger. It's kind of a fine line. Like, they want, they obviously want to convey, hey, no, Sting's, Sting's bumping. Sting is wrestling in this match, so you guys should tune the fuck in. Uh, but also, you do want to put a big exclamation mark on that. Like, holy shit, this is an old guy who had back problems. That's a big moment. Yeah, they, they they did a solid job here, you know, elevating the feud after it's basically been spinning its wheels for however long. And it, it's something where commentary really could have been like, wow, we thought Sting was not going to be wrestling anymore, even though he was going to be fighting. But he's been hurt, and we, we all saw what happened to him before, knowing that this is a company that is willing to acknowledge things happen in other promotions. Like, there's ways you could have done this, but it was very... I felt like that given what all has gone on with this storyline, like this was the escalation needed now. So it was nice to see. And I think it's going to, now that we know that sting will be getting th physical at a level that we weren't expecting. I think that that makes the street fight match a little bit more interesting. You know, it does feel like that's not just going to be something where it's going to be a lot of smoke and mirrors. Now we know 
or we can assume that Sting's going to be physically involved for a great portion of this match. Yeah, my I was kind of had it in my head that it would be like, oh, it's going to be like a boneyard match. Like maybe Sting will be on a crash pad, you know, something to that effect. Um, but, you know, now maybe it's something closer to a like the parking lot brawl where it's like, oh, this is pre-taped and, you know, cinematic to some degree maybe. But no, he's going to be like bumping for real out there. If he can take that bump, he can probably take some bumps. So we will see what he does. Uh, Eddie and friends had a pre-tape. Eddie basically just does a great job here of laying out why he has issues with everybody on the other team. Classic wrestling, good promo. Eddie's very good. He's kind of like, he's this very interesting character to me in that he's kind of proven that he's not going to be like a AW champion level character in, on the show. But he, and it's like, we know that he's delusional to think he's ever going to beat Mox, but he doesn't know that. And he just keeps, it doesn't feel like he's, you could do the same thing with other people and it would feel like they were just running in circles, you know, like standing in place. But with Eddie, he makes it interesting enough that you can still buy into why it's happening. Yeah, he's just super compelling. And, you know, everything he says comes across as genuine uh, and like puts always has done a great job of like putting the idea of uncomfortable truth in your head where he's like, yeah, no, Moxley, I couldn't get rid of you with drinking or pills or women or whatever else, which is like, you know, close, close to the, close to the line, close to the edge. I don't know. Uh, but makes you believe what he's saying and use that to great effect, to like drive your investment in the match later tonight. Yeah. It's real shit. Uh, yeah. Then Kenny talked to some kids, uh, in a, in a daycare. And then that led to the young bucks defeating Santana and Ortiz, Nick pinned Ortiz with an inside cradle. Uh, and after the match, the inner circle attacked the Bucks. Uh, Omega and the Good Brothers were watching on a screen backstage, but not intervening. Uh, Brandon Cutler tried to help, but got destroyed. Uh, the Good Brothers slowly, slowly come out. Inner circle bails. Uh, Chris Jericho got in Papa Buck's face. And uh, Papa Buck got physical, baby. Papa Buck gave him a little push. Uh, Mama Buck, I thought, sold like her fear really well. She was like... It's like half halfway to tears, clutching Papa Buck after all this. Uh, also, a, a nice little touch. I thought Brandon Color came out just to give you know just to feed one more person to the bad guys, and just give him a big vicious bump. That was good. I thought this was pretty effective. I thought that this this match itself rocked. It owned. This was. I mean, CNRT should be champions of this division soon. Like. This was something where I could have saw the title change happen. Then you'd have Inner Circle versus Inner Circle, and the Bucks can have good brothers at the pay-per-view. That would have made total sense. But I really enjoyed Jericho getting in a pop of the Bucks' face, and and you really had like similar energies going off at that time. It was almost the Spider-Man pointing each other meme, and that was that was tremendous. I, I thought this was really effective. Yeah, this was a really good match. It did get a little derailed because Matt Jackson was late to break up a pen, and I think the crowd could tell that and they kind of turned on the bucks as a result because Santana Ortiz were like, got basically a visual, uh, a pinfall on Nick Jackson. And, uh, you know, it just, the, the crowd was like, boo, that, that should have been the finish. Uh, and then that kind of sinks your baby face when people are booing you and, and wanting the other team to win in that moment. Jericho has to be like Papa Bucks. Like it's gotta be a legend to Papa Buck, right? Of like, because Papa Buck wishes he were a rock star, obviously. Papa Buck is a rock star. 
for sure. I mean, he can't sell out Sturgis in a pandemic, baby. You don't know that. He hasn't tried. <laughs> That's true. That's true. He's got, he, I mean, you play Warriors Cry. That'll get some some bikers revving their engines. <laughs> uh, next, we have the Cody Brandy uh, gender reveal, which is fake, of course. Uh, FTR defeated Mike and Matt Seidel. I said Mike first. I'm really bumping him up in the in the order here. <laughs> You're giving uh, the Yoko. And Mike after the big rig. Uh, after the match, uh, the FTR, they were going to cut Mike's hair, but the lights went out. We get a video up on the screen of Luchasaurus's mask. The lights come back on. All of Jurassic Express is there. There's Luchasaurus in what is apparently a new mask, uh, and they destroy FTR. I appreciate the amount of respect that you put on to Mike Siddell's name. He is the yoga monster. And uh, Cody being on commentary and saying like, oh, yeah, I know these guys from Dragon Gate. And I'm like, Cody, you've maybe seen the Ring of Honor six man, but that's probably it. I don't think he has. I was giving him a little bit of leeway there, but no, he definitely does not. Uh, just kind of wild the fact that like I, you know, Mike Siddell is a longtime Dragon Gate trainee. He did a bunch of tours. He spent a lot of time in the dojo in particular. So seeing him on TV was kind of wild. And, you know, this was the kind of FTR match that I like a lot more than when they decided to cosplay as the Midnight Express. So I came away with this, enjoying it. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of like a wild thing, thinking about, oh, yeah, Mike Seidel's on TV. That's cool. I got to agree with Cody. This just felt like Dragon Gate tag action to me. Yeah, Um Mike Seidel also took an unfortunate slip on the same turnbuckle that Matt Seidel slipped on in his debut. I do hope that leads to a skit on BTE where Michael Nakazawa again has oiled up the turnbuckle. I mean, I'm pretty sure Mike Seidel has oils in his yoga kit that he comes out there with. Sure. So you've got it right there. It makes all the storyline sense in the world. Then you get Michael Nakazawa, his, I don't know, second match of the last six months. Uh, and you can give Mike Seidel another little, another little, Another little tryout match here would be nice, I think. Hey, hey, Nate, did this remind you of Dragon Gate tag action? Yeah, it did. All right, cool. Glad I'm not alone in this. Me, you, and Cody, we all agree. <laughs> I shall to be baited here. I shall. <laughs> I, I, I watched some tour of Dragon Gate that Mike Seidel was on. My, my brief foray into Dragon Gate watching. And I was like, oh, that guy does spots of the yoga, man. That's fucking wild. <laughs> yeah, that was the disappointing thing. We did not have the yoga assault at all during this match. Like, I thought that, that if you have Mike, Mike Seidel here, he is the yoga monster. He should be doing the moonsault with the yoga mat, and we did not get that. A little disappointing. He, he's saving it for the Nakazawa match, and then they're going to find common ground in their love for oils. Yeah, there we they're go. they're going to have a body oil-based tag team. Uh, the Slippery uh, Boys. The Slippery Boys coming soon to a Daily's Place near you. Uh, Mox had a pre-tape. You know, he's going at Eddie. Eddie still doesn't get it. Uh, and then he he actually gave the the hard sell on the February 26th episode of New Japan Strong. It, he did not mention New Japan Strong last time. Said he's going to beat Kenta. Uh, then he's taken everyone else down and taken back the AW World Championship. He reminds us that he's not done with Kenny Omega. Do you think Rocky Romero sends emails to Tony Khan that are like Tony? You didn't get. We didn't get quite the hard sell the New Japan New Japan Strong match that we wanted. We kind of need to make good on on our plug. You think? Do you think Rocky has to write those emails? Hell yeah! He's like, I sent you Kenta. I let you have Kenta on two shows. I need more of a sell here. Yeah, 
Uh, then we had the main event. Uh, John Moxley got the win for his team with Archer and Phoenix against uh, Eddie, the Butcher and the Blade. He pinned Eddie uh, with the paradigm shift. And then we had the uh, the post-match angle that we already talked about. Cool. Yep. We hey, did. Uh, you know, that show's over, but you know what's not over? Actually, it is over. Game, uh, game over. What is happening? What? Are you okay? <laughs> Did the Z-Quill just kick in, buddy? I haven't taken it. I was trying to... Oh, no. I'm, you know, you're damn right it's over. That's what I was going for. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I, I thought you were making a Kenta reference with game over there, and you just weren't connecting the dots there, or you're leaving it up here for Nate or I to follow through on the alley-oop, but that was not going to happen, and you were doing your own thing there, boss. So that show's over, but you know what's not over? Game over. But his point was that he was over. Damn right he's over. Yeah, I tried to switch switch planes there, and I, I failed. So if you... Any, uh, any gaming thoughts on today's Nintendo Direct, Aaron? We heard, we heard, Aaron, we heard Aaron Tabs earlier. Oh, yeah. Um... Yeah, Golf Story is going to be on Nintendo. <laughs> that's what I heard, so that's cool. That's pretty close. That's pretty close. Yeah. Golf you, that, is, that is a game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I would say that's a leaner in horseshoes. You know, that's pretty Go, close. Golf, golf Story is going to be in the new Smash Brothers. Actually, that would own, to be honest. That's what I heard. There is. They, they did announce a uh, new fighter for Smash Brothers. Oh, who you, won't, you won't you will not know them, so no. I don't even want to say them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, Blyla is already in Smash Brothers, so you can keep your wall scroll up. Uh, Thank God. I, so, so you're right now. You are basically have had two horseshoes as leaners right now. So, uh, let's go for a third thing. Uh, what was said about Zelda on the Nintendo Direct AB? Uh, this, is, this is this is important to know, of course, because this is a big Zelda promotion that we're watching. Yeah, Cody, um, as shit. What's is Swirls? Is Swirls the TIR wrestling guy? <laughs> yeah. Okay, as Swirls pointed out, Cody is for sure going to name his daughter Zelda. So you got to know this stuff about the Zelda series. Uh, well, the joke I was going to do is that they announced that Cody had named his kid Link. Um. I uh, fuck. I don't. I don't know. I got nothing on Zelda. So close. I. I was really. If you would have nailed another one, I would. Wait, have wait. Been... No, hold on. I've got it here. Link. Okay. They announced that uh, Maki Ito is going to be in the new Zelda, um, where she defeats <laughs> where she defeats Link with a Q. <laughs> you, you know what? I'll allow it, Nate. Are we going to allow that there? Sure. I'll, yeah. Yeah. Good. It was the that idol group Link. Was referenced recently enough on AEW programming by Excalibur. That'll play. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll allow it. We'll allow it. All right. Speaking of the Japanese bracket, uh, head on over to our Patreon, Patreon.com/slash Everything Elite. It's best way to support the show. We got three tiers. On Tuesday, I did a an instant, a kind of instant. My power went out, so I watched it like an hour after it happened. Uh, But a vaguely instant reaction and review to the four matches that they put on YouTube. Um, actually, that must have been on Monday night, wasn't it? Because that happened on Monday. It was the same night. I listened to it that night. So, yeah, Monday night. Yeah, did it on Monday. So, I'll do that again next Monday, I'm sure. Uh, we also had uh, Into the Codyverse episode where we looked at last weekend's Choco Pro double header, uh, which included various people who are involved on the Japanese side of the 
uh, AEW bracket. And uh, but we also talked about Sammy Guevara's little run in with or non run in with Impact uh, and some other interpromotional things on that episode. So lots of good stuff there. Uh, Light, of course, we did this week as always. Uh, Mike's going to talk about the Go Big Show again on Friday. It's just a big week over at the Patreon. And of course, this show is available live on our Patreon if you join the $8 tier. So lots going on. It was our longest light ever. Unlike Dark, who were cowards and were only 66 minutes long, we almost broke that on a show that was originally supposed to be 30 minutes. If I had known that Dark was only 66 minutes, I would have made the vlog recap another seven minutes just so we could have a longer light than Dark. Well, uh, it is turning. The, the sun is... <laughs> yep. Days are getting longer. No, you're, you, you got it. You're almost there. You, you, well, we believe in you. The world is turning. I have these depositions on Friday, and it's like all I've been working on is getting ready for them. So brain is brain's bad. Patreon.com slash everything at least support um, our podcast, please. I was, I was a support our that uh, we got a, we got a lot of uh, reactions to your guys' foot chat and and t-shirt chat on the light. Nobody yeah. nobody uh, brought up my uh, my discussion of the canonical tweet that uh, was talked about a lot recently with with Prince William and Princess Kate them to have a baby. So if you want to hear what that's about, <laughs> AW Light show for you. Did Rocky Romero ask you to do that? Hard sell? Yeah. Now Rocky said, I've got this tweet that I find really funny and I want you to reference it. <laughs> cool. Very cool. Nate, actually, I'm thinking about this now. You are a pretty good Photoshopper. Uh, I, I'm, I, I used to be pretty, pretty good. I'm not actually now. Back like, like in college when I had a pirated copy of Photoshop and like yeah. took graphic design courses, I was pretty competent uh, and actually did like a lot of the advertisements for our on-campus concerts and shit. Uh, now I don't. I have whatever this shitty open source free program is, paint.net, and that just is not as powerful or, or intuitive as the Photoshop. Because I think Photoshop, I don't even know if you can pirate it anymore because everything's a service now. So you have to pay a subscription, you know, year after year, and it's just ridiculous. I don't, I don't have the youthful energy necessary to pirate things anymore. We're looking for a graphic designer to help us make uh, Joshi shirts that look like hardcore shirts. Oh, I thought you just wanted to talk about my Photoshop skills. Yeah, well, I did. I mean, you made us a great Photoshop today. Uh, <laughs> of course, if you didn't know, Evolve's coming back, and we got a lot of questions about whether we were going to start covering evolve again and Nate answered those questions by uh by way of photoshop <laughs> yeah i don't i think people are going to want us to talk about that on the patreon maybe do you think or maybe want you and aaron to uh we will almost certainly not be doing that just to be clear <laughs> can't okay. imagine a world in which we would do that so, so now that's brought up i'm giving this like 6 months before uh Gabe does his usual thing of being bored with what he's doing and does explodes on someone in a wrong way. I'm giving this six months. I, do you think that's fair? I don't know. It's lasted this long. I figured Gabe would be gone way before now. So I assume he'll be there forever now. It's just very funny to me for them to use the uh, highly touted Evolve brand, which no one especially remembers fondly except maybe Joe Lanza. 
A lot of um, talk about IP in wrestling these days. <laughs> WWE is like, oh, we got we got to exploit that evolved brand that we own to the fullest, uh, and and use it to undergird our NXT property where we're supposed to be young and hip and cool. We we really got to put a big Gabe Sapolsky sticker on that thing. It's like nobody ever liked Evolve. The the branding, as you guys discussed a lot on the show, was usually the weakest aspect of Evolve. Yeah. It had it had no you know specific style. Uh, it had no ethos or you know uh, mission like a progress did, and it had the worst graphic design. While we're on that topic of all time, uh, <laughs> and WWE was like, "Ooh, I got to get a piece of that." I, I I mean, I'm just gonna be surprised that. Gabe will have a product that actually will have up-to-date technology and broadcast cameras. Like, this is a first-time thing for him. Do you think they might actually loan him one of the 4K cameras that they probably have? I'm more interested if Gabe sent an email to uh, Triple H was like, Paul, can I get some room in the budget for a laser machine? (laughs) (laughs) I I just want to say this. Look, okay, here's here's the AB promise. If a Gabe Sapolsky email about this show ends up in my hands, I will do a podcast on the Patreon about WWE Evolve. Beautiful. People, listeners out there that might have access to such emails, make this happen. And I want to be, I think everybody should know, I will never out you as a source. (laughs) It's been been proven. (laughs) You will be safe. I I, I mean, is he just going to like, hire everyone else who worked for evolve as like the inverse like is maxwell so is maxwell chicago going to show up on wwe evolve if you get an email and you talk about an email in a manner i mean because he can't fire anyone so he's got to hire people instead he can't um i just want to say i mean i will never reveal the source (laughs) even on my deathbed but if people knew it would be so fucking funny like i don't even know no, no. Only Aaron and I know. No one I, knows. I, I looked through the through the EEPod <laughs> Twitter DMs, and it was not in there. <laughs> yeah. There were there were DMs from Gabe in there. <laughs> yes, my favorite Gabe DM was like after all this, he like totally stonewalled us. Other than when we stopped doing the podcast, he sent us a big DM. Just reminding us again how much he hated us. <laughs> and, and, and then he went on the flagship to further that. To do it publicly. But the best DM was when uh, Dan Ma- Dan Matha? Matha? I don't know. Sure. Whenever he did the Soy Boys promo and like AT buried it on the timeline, Gabe slid in to be like, he will not be working here anymore. <laughs> okay. He doesn't need to. He's making a big in crypto anyway. He is. Congrats to that man. Uh, okay, here's what's coming up in, I almost said Evolve, <laughs> in AEW over the next few weeks. Uh, yeah, on Monday, they'll do two of the uh, first round matches on the U.S. side of the women's tournament, Nyla versus Ty and Britt versus Anna Jay. And then the two semifinals on the Japanese side, Emi Sakura versus Yuka Sakazaki and Leo Mizunami versus Aja Kong. So, uh, yeah, I'll talk about those. I guess the big, I talked about this on the Patreon, but the big thing we missed out on, guys, was that, yeah, all the people who had been in AW before won. <laughs> Which was uh, kind of my initial thought, and then I, I worked myself backwards into putting Maki Ito over Ryo Mizunami. But I, my initial thought was, oh, Maki's going to win because then she's going to wrestle Aja. And then I was like, no, wait, Ryo has worked AEW before and probably has some kind of contract arrangement with AEW. Uh, and then I, I second-guessed myself. It's just something like seeing 
how that all went. And y'all know my, my opinion of like general gatekeeping and all of that. I detest it. I try to actively do my best not to do that. But the reaction to the angry reaction about Maki losing afterwards from, I guess, people who I, I again, I, I'm trying to hold my tongue a little bit, but people who aren't clued in kind of surprised me. Yeah, I'm always I'm always a little surprised to still encounter people who like get really invested in their favorites, like winning matches. <laughs> I don't know. Cause Brother, it, like it, it's are, are, it's made you, up. <laughs> are you subcasting me right now? No, 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 no. Because we we had a discussion on a Stardom podcast where you, we talked about Momo's push and you know accepting what the company's vision for her is. Sure. Um, but you know, for people who are like, oh, uh, I don't to pick somebody else. Um, um, no, I don't have another good example. <laughs> so people people who are like, oh, Maki does my fave because she's funny on Twitter. Uh, so she should win every match that she's in, and then they get like mad when she loses. And it's like that's that's her character. Not, not that's just not why I watch wrestling to see my favorites win. Does does not factor into it on any level. I do like seeing my favorites win. I'm not going to lie. I, that is something I enjoy. Uh, but it doesn't. But it's not like it doesn't ruin my day. Like when <laughs> somebody I like loses a match. Um, yeah, but th- and there was also this other side that really annoys me, which is like Joshi fans who were like. Oh, do these fucking plebes even know why this match <laughs> right. is good? Yeah, it's like shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, I hate those people. <laughs> and, and and that's partially why, like, I did my preface about gatekeeping because I feel like that's utterly noxious things. But lucky for me, my favorite wrestler in the world uh, retired in 2016 and moved to Orlando, so I have no emotional attachment to anything whatsoever anymore. Yeah, um, I'm just happy that uh, we're on the perfect level of fandom uh, and everybody that's either uh, more of a stan or more of a gatekeeper uh, is is wrong and we're just on the perfect alignment exactly. Absolutely. Uh, I'll talk about that show on the Patreon next week. Uh, and then next week's Dynamite, we're going to get Hangman Page versus Isaiah Cassidy, the U.S. bracket semifinal. So either Nyla or Ty versus either Britt or Anna Jay. Uh, Ricky Starks and Brian Cage versus the Varsity Blondes. Is this an episode of Dark here, folks? And and, and here's another one: Jake Hager versus Brandon Cutler. What a <laughs> what a lineup! That's, hey, they set that up, so that's they did good follow through. Yeah, the, there's yeah, some there's some thought put into the show here. So they're only doing one of the U.S. bracket semifinals here. So I guess Riho versus uh, Thunder Rosa is the one where. I'm wondering where they're going to put it, I guess. Is that going to go on dark, maybe? No, presumably that'll be on YouTube along with the finals of the Japanese side. Right, yeah. They're probably not okay. going to put a, do a single match YouTube show, would be my guess. Right, yeah. I, it took this me a second. Choco Pro, Mike. I, I mean, how much would I have loved Balian it's, Aki it's, here? It's, it's almost Choco Pro. <laughs> it is. Well, and... Uh, Taylor told me, I hadn't heard this, but that Excalibur is going to be on the YouTube show next week. I'm sorry, fuck. Taz is going to be on the YouTube show next week. Oh, didn't catch that at all. I, I, I'm excited to hear Taz talk about Ryo Mizunami. I feel like Taz definitely likes the vibe that Aniki throws down. I badly want Taz to meet Chie Koishikawa. That's really all I want in life at this point. Some of those Joshi fans are going to get mad at Taz. 
Oh, oh undoubtedly. So undoubtedly. For sure. I'm for it. I, uh, Taz meets Chie is something that needs to happen now. <laughs> and I did just imagining, like, after, like, initial pleasantries, Taz having to deal with Chie just makes me really happy. The most, the most energetic person ever dealing with Taz. Like, that needs to happen. It's, uh, it's going back to our point about, like, what we enjoy about wrestling or whatever. I guess it also says a lot that basically when they announced, it was kind of like whatever about Revolution. And then when they announced uh, the main event stipulation, it's like, oh, I can't think of anything better than a match that involves a bat that will blow up when it, like, <laughs> when it hits the other person. So perhaps I watch wrestling slightly differently Yeah, from a lot of the good people who listen to our show. So that's going to be uh, Dynamite next week. I also just want to say that in two weeks, they've announced FTR and Tully Blanchard versus Jurassic Express. Hey, makes sense for the build. You know, the, the, those segments have all proceeded in a logical way. So I'll take it. All right. Well, I think that's everything that we needed to cover this week. Um, make sure you follow us on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron, like the car, Nate's at Epitasis, Mike's at Fuji. Hey, uh, subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five-star rating and review. Subscribe to the Patreon, go to patreon.com slash everything elite, uh, big month. We still got the, uh, the revolution, uh, look back. What, what do we call those? Rewind. Retrospective. 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 Rewind is my thing. That's your thing. Yeah. I was looking at you. That's why. That's why there there we that. go. I mean, I, I, as I am putting out very big Steve Albini slash Bob Mold energy tonight, making sure I get yeah. both those names right. Just to, go. you know, just book in our show. Yep, yeah, exactly. Good. So that's it. For Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week. Okay.